Hello, hello, hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Keep Your Do Not Podcast. I'm Zana. And I'm Jessica. And we are back for our flavor to your Friday, as usual. And we're very energetic today, even though an hour ago <laughs> we were like on the couch, like dead. Yes, I've had so some tired. life revelations, some, you know, some life issues, and oh. I've just kind of been a bit over it, to be honest. So um, <laughs> I was having a little emotion sesh before, and then Jess was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yes, this is what I've been looking forward, forward to for a very long time. So there was yeah. no way that I wasn't going to get this episode out today. So um, we hope you enjoy it. But before we get into that, we're going to discuss our Spill the Teas mm. this week. So Jess's is a bit of a... Um, a bit of a shit one, to be honest. Mm. Um, something that happened to her that just, just not okay. So how about you? Not how about okay. you tell us about it? Not okay. <laughs> so I love sharing my dating life with you guys because I mean, I have a very that interesting is her life. life. Really, <laughs> it is my life. You know, I'm trying to find a husband. You know, I've got to get out there and date. Anyway, it's not going so well. I mean, so you got to go through. You got to go through. What do they call it? All how, the frogs. Yeah, but how many frogs I got to go through? There's a fuckload of frogs. Fucking hell, a lot of frogs. The toads take the toads. The, the toads take over Queensland. So it's cane just not toads. the toads that take over Queensland. It's the men, the well, toad men. Guys, I got a cane toad. <laughs> so basically, that's a Yikes. term we're going to use now. I yeah, think, from the, now cane on, toads. the cane toads. Mm. We're going to let this go as a trend mm-hmm. now. Um, so I met a cane toad um, on Hinge. Um, First date, lovely. Had a really great time. I actually did an Instagram story about it a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I'll let you guys know how it goes. Yeah. And to be honest, it was a really good date. Like, great vibes, like, great conversation. It was about six hours. Great time. Anyway, mm. we caught up again the second time. And during these conversations, we've talked, like, we're talking a lot about dating. Like, he's in his yeah. 30s, I'm in my 30s. We're talking about how hard it is in the dating world. And um, it, he gave me this book. Can you get the book up? Because I have forgot what the title was called. Oh, it was like something about men oh, games. Um, hang on, it's on my phone. So basically he was telling me about this book that he read like years and years and years ago, okay? So it wasn't like something he's read recently. And it's called, oh, here we go, The Game. It's the Game. And it was something about games. So it's mainly about guys getting with girls and – only treating them like really it's like it's just purely for sex and like one night stands and stuff it's nothing to do with dating and like one of the parts of it that he was telling me about was that like it's called negging so it's when you purposely put down a girl to i don't know make her feel like unworthy or something like that and then that's when they can kind of swoop on in there and like i don't know am i explaining it right like that's how i was interpreting it it. it's basically they use words and language that make a woman feel self-conscious in a way that's not obvious, but it makes them question themselves and think like it's, it's this weird psychology that Mm -hmm. women are attracted to men who make them feel like shit. And you always hear that though. You always hear girls being like, Oh my God, he's so horrible to me, but somehow I just keep going back. Yeah. Like if someone said like, it's just, it's an, it's an interesting concept. And I feel like it's very small things. Like one of the lines, it says, um, I like that skirt. Those are really popular these days. Another one goes, I like that skirt. I saw a girl wearing it a few minutes ago. So it, in that sentence, I think it's like they're showing that they're looking, they, interested they're observant and i think mm-hmm. girls and women like when guys are observant be like oh he just saw someone wearing the same skirt like is he comparing me to her is that one thing i need to be better yeah. than her it and makes you try, mind it wonder. makes your mind go crazy and it's like these these psychological games that yeah. have been taught 
in this book. Yeah. So like what we're talking about now is yeah. exactly what me and him were talking about. Yeah. You know, it was like actually like really good conversation. I was like, this guy's awesome, right? But get this. So I was waiting for a third date and he never mentioned anything about a third date. And then we went to Fiji recently. And while I was in Fiji on the first day, he messaged me being like, happy Friday. Like, what are you up to? And I thought, oh, like, obviously, okay, now he is still keen to hang out with me. But mm. like, he didn't obviously pay attention when I said I was going to Fiji. So I messaged back being like, I'm in Fiji. Yeah. Anyway, we spoke a little bit while I was away. And I sent him some photos of Fiji and he made a comment that I wasn't in any of the photos. But like, I didn't purposely do that. I was just busy with the girls and I took photos of like my hand Mm. with the cocktail of like the background of Fiji. Anyway, so I sent him a photo of me in an affinity pool, gorgeous background of Fiji. And I was in this one piece bathing suit and I sent him the photo and it's a lovely photo. Like I love it. It's a cute photo, right? Of me. Mm -hmm. And his reaction was like, he goes a one piece question mark looking good though. And I was like, the fuck? Mm. A classic, a like, example A, making you question yourself. Yeah, and he did make me question myself. Because then I thought to myself, I was like, hang on, wait, what? Anyway, I was, like, reading into it way too much. And then I kind of said to him, I was like, yeah, that's what I've chosen to wear. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a guy pleaser, blah, blah, blah. Things kind of escalated. He ended up calling me a 1960s gal. And he said, basically, old people wear one yeah, piece. he said no one wears one pieces and then and- just sent him a photo of all of us wearing one pieces and was like, yeah, girls wear one pieces. Like literally all of us were wearing one pieces. Three out of the four girls were wearing a one piece that day, which is hilarious. But it got me thinking, like, mm-hmm. we want to do an episode. We're going to be doing a series yeah. um, very soon called What Do Women Want? And it's about these exact issues, like mm. like what guys talk about with us. Like obviously like I was like eager to like have a third day and I was in that limbo period. Does he like me? Does he not like me? Obviously he reached out to hang out, but then he's like said those comments and like we just want to talk about like what girls – minds go through like what Mm -hmm. what goes through our brains when we're dating and especially in those you know first second third date period like periods yeah and how we cope with it and how we interpret things yes i'm not gonna see him again because he's fucked up now and we're not even talking anymore because i stood up to him and i was like um that's a really rude comment like and yeah i mean i've shown a lot of my girlfriends the messages as well i was like did i overreact and everyone's agreed they're like you know if if you're going on a third date with somebody and they're not going to sit there and compliment you, they're going to just say question, like make you question mm-hmm. yourself. Like it's yeah. not worth it. Yes. So that is my spill the tea. And it's just yeah. an introduction into a series that we're going to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got any advice, you want us to talk about any topics, flick us a DM because we're getting all, all our bits yeah. and pieces um, are ready for it. So yes, that's well, mine. Ducks in a row. I think um, a little comment I want to make on a side note of that is that, I think what you did was the right thing by messaging him and saying that because no change is going to start without education. Yeah. And although it may have come across confronting to him, that is his issue. It's something that he needs to figure out and he needs to change. And I was listening to an interesting podcast as well. And I think it's important for people to remember that feminism is obviously the way that things are changing. Yeah. Females and women are being hopefully in the near future on an equal playing field as men. But in terms for that to work, it's not just – women can't change that on their own. Men have to start changing that as well. And women can't – like people create this idea around feminism that it's just like women doing all this stuff and it's going to be all women, 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 whatever. It's not about that. It actually is about men and women being equal and men have to play a part in that too. And men yeah. have to come up to this par with us and treat us equally. And that means that we can be whoever the fuck we want to be. We don't have to wear a fucking two-piece because they want us to. Yeah. It's a joke. Anyway. I know. I know. Anyway. Just we'll talk about that on a deeper level in yes. the What Do We Want Women Want series, okay? Yes. 
We will. Um, Well, I guess my spill the tea is... I guess it's not really a spill the tea, but I guess it's a follow-on from one of our previous episodes. Um, So in our Fifty Shades of Shame podcast, I expressed to you guys, and I guess for the first time publicly, that I was going to start exploring my sexuality and start dating men and women. Um, And I think that what I wanted to share is that I'm going to like actively try to start dating women and I've been on hinge and stuff and I've been you know talking to some girls talking to girls and gotta line up a date I've got to try and line up a date it's freaking me the fuck out um but I'm I think it's a mixture of scared and a mixture of excitement I actually have like no desire right now to go on a date with a man (laughs) I'm like I just want to like explore this first and kind of see where I'm at because it's like right in the forefront of my head right now I feel like I just need to like go on this go on a first Mm -hmm. date and like do it yeah you gotta bite Um, the bullet I gotta bite the bullet and I will she will update yeah Yeah, and I will update all of you um but that kind of leads on to our episode because we talk a lot about sexual identity and gender identity in this episode um and it's something that is very I guess prominent in our society today of what we discuss but we wanted to give a little disclaimer as well at the start because we recorded this episode before we recorded this intro um and there was some language that we used that was not I guess politically correct or the I guess right terminology to use um which we were alerted to afterwards, which is amazing because we want this to be a learning experience for everyone. And we also are still learning. So please be patient with us too. We want to create this space that is open for everyone to discuss things comfortably and in a safe place and without any judgment. Um, And we hope that the judgment does not come back on us either because we are also learning. Um, We are chatting today with Frank. Frank is a trans man and we are discussing his transition, what it has been like for him in his life, with his friends, with his family. And he's also a registered nurse. So we want to talk to him and we wanted, we got him on the podcast to talk about his transition through nursing as well and how that has impacted his career. So in the episode, I think I mentioned that he identified as a trans man. However, we have now learnt and come to the knowledge of the fact that he does not identify as a trans man he is a trans man yeah and it was just the terminology that I used that that was incorrect um so I just want to correct myself here and apologize for that as well um we also want to um let everyone know or kind of correct ourselves on the fact that sex and gender are very very different things and we may potentially get those mixed up in the episode so I'm sorry if we do um but gender is a very, very different topic. And sex, um, I guess, is the genitals that you have. So the genitals are not gendered. Um, So you can have either genitals and not necessarily identify as what your genitals, I guess, are assigned to you. So we just wanted to kind of clarify that. I'm sure that even some things I've just said right now might not even be the right thing to say, but we we are learning. And and we want you to learn with us. Because we are so genuinely interested in this topic and we want to learn more and I'm just so proud of this episode. It was actually so incredible. And I think Frank is such a powerful voice for the LGBTQIA population and especially the transgender population. It takes absolute strength and courage to not only speak to us but transition and, you know, come out as a trans man and be a trans man. It's not easy in this world that we live in today to change these things and like I guess express yourself in a certain way that is not I guess considered standard yeah or like what people assume you are supposed to identify as or what you're supposed to be so I think it seriously takes very 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 
very strong courage to come and do that and chat yeah. with us today. And we really, really appreciate him coming on. Um, and we really hope you enjoy it. And if there's anything that you guys want to know further, we will stick Frank's details in the show notes as well. But you can also message us and we can do our best to guide you in the right direction. Um, but we just hope everyone comes to this conversation with an open heart and an open mind. And um, yeah, stay along for the chat because it's bloody epic. Enjoy, guys. All right, bye. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Keep It Not Podcast. We're joined with Frank. How are you going? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, we're so good. Thanks for joining us today. I feel like this is such an important and necessary and relevant chat that we're going to have today, and I'm so excited to jump right into it. Um, but before we jump right into this exciting episode, can you please tell us your spill the tea this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so I had a good think about this, mm-hmm. and my partner has just arrived a few days ago uh, from overseas. They came from Canada. Um, and so we've been doing, you know, COVID safe things, um, doing a daily rat test. Uh, and the, the other day, the first day that I rat tested them, um, cause I've, you know, I've done plenty of COVID testing in, in my time. Um, I had an N95, uh, but I didn't have a face shield or anything cause I was at home. Um, and so I decided to pop a hoodie on and, pull the drawstring super tight and shove a pot lid in in, in my face um, and use that as a face shield. Oh, my goodness. I think I've seen pictures of that Yeah, that's taking it to the next extreme. I actually saw a guy on TikTok do it and I was like, well, you know, nursing's all about being resourceful and being innovative. It sure is. So Honey, please yeah. tell me you got like a video or a photo of this. Yeah, I got a photo. Oh, I can great. Send yeah, you got to send us that. <laughs> yeah, we need that. <laughs> I need that in my life. <laughs> Did you just fog it up though? Like, because I, yes, I, I just could wait. not breathe. Could not breathe in that thing. So no COVID yesterday, basically. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's got one tiny, tiny little hole for the seam for the to steam. escape. Yeah. And, and that's Not pretty breath. much it. No. <laughs> no, breath. no breath can get through, only steam. Yes. <laughs> okay. So to this point, we have avoided the COVID. Both you and your partner don't have it. Yes. Yes. Right. That's exciting. Touch wood. Mm-hmm. Is it Fabulous. seven days or 14 days? Because they've come um, from overseas, hey? I think it's seven days as far as I know. It keeps um, changing. Like, I, as far as I know, you don't actually, once you've tested negative on the first one, like you can pretty much go out into the world, but we're okay. just being a little extra, yeah. extra careful. Yeah. And enjoying some time at right. home. You've been apart for, yeah, yeah to like, tell the audience as well. Like you guys have been apart for a while. Yeah, tell us yeah, that story. So <laughs> we've been apart. We've been together for years um, and we met, they were working here in Australia, um, but I was over in Canada at the start of 2020, like pre-COVID when it was all just in uh, Shanghai, I think it was. Um, And so they said, yep, go to Canada. You're all good if you haven't travelled to China. And then everything kind of turned upside down while I was over there. Um, And, yeah, that was the last time I saw them until they arrived a few days ago was the start of 2020, like February 2020. How special. What a reunion. Yes. And we want to talk about your relationship later because so much has obviously changed between when you saw each other last as well. So we want to go into that a bit more later. But for all the listeners that kind of, I guess, are new to these terms um, and new to this new, I guess, I guess this expression that we now have to express our gender identity, sexual identity, all these things, we want to kind of lay out the terms for everyone just so you guys know what we're kind of talking about when we use these terms throughout the podcast. So we're going to give a hand it over to Frank and he's going to go through um, some of these terms for us and what they mean. 
Awesome. Go um, I guess the first term uh, that I want to go through is trans and gender diverse, so transgender or gender diverse. Um, so this is more, it's not, not, not a term in itself, it's more of an umbrella term uh, that describes people whose gender is different uh, to the legal sex that they were assigned at birth. So essentially they identify differently than what's recorded on their birth certificate. Um, that can also encompass, uh, I guess, within the gender binary, there's male and female. So I guess if you think of it as like two ends of the spectrum, females at one end and males at the other end, and if you identify as trans or gender diverse, you can sort of identify anywhere along that spectrum. Um, and the term non-binary, which I think uh, a lot of people, or at least in my experience that I've come across, are uh, a little bit perplexed or confused by the term non-binary. Um, and I guess it just refers to genders that sit uh, within or outside of that spectrum of male and female. Um, so they don't quite identify as either or male or female, Um and it gives them, yeah, they can be gender fluid. They can use different terms in, in that non-binary identity as well. But basically they're saying, I don't really fit the box of male. I don't really fit the box of female. I fit somewhere in between. Um, I suppose what else can I go through? Um, so cisgender, I guess, is a really important term to go through as well, uh, which is basically the term uh, referred to people who whose gender identity does match what they were assigned at birth. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess those are the main ones. And if there's anything yet you guys aren't sure about, just let me know. I'm happy to clarify it. Fabulous. That's great. Love that. that. Um, Yeah, as we go through, we will come up, I guess, with probably some more terms and we'll go through those and um, explain it to you guys as we go along. Um, But we really want to dive into you, Frank. Um, Tell us all about you. Who are you? What do you do? How did you get to this point that you're at now? Tell us everything. Get deep. Get deep. Oh, I don't know where to start. I, I always, I always never know what to say when people ask me those. Like, tell yes. me about yourself. Big questions. questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'm 26 years old. I live in Melbourne. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I've been qualified for four years now, which I can't believe it's actually been four years. It's gone gone so Tell quickly. Tell me about Wait it. Wait till you hit 10, man. <laughs> I say 10 and I'm like, wow, I'm old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy times. Wow. Time, time flies. <laughs> um, I have worked in lots of different areas of nursing. Um, I did my grad year in, in a large like Melbourne metropolitan hospital. Um, that was amazing. I really enjoyed it. And I have stayed at that hospital up until recently. Um, and more recently I've taken a little bit of a step into uh, community health nursing um, and doing, doing a little bit more uh, vaccinating. I'm interested in, yeah, just taking, taking my career more towards uh, community health and preventative health. Um, so I don't really know where it will lead me, but I've had some really cool opportunities thus far. So I'm sure, I'm sure it'll go, it'll go in a good direction. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, yeah, in my spare time, I like skateboarding. I like hanging out with my cat. Um, I love live music, even though that's been sort yeah. of a thing, thing of the past, the past two years. <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Wow. It's coming back, though. It's coming yeah, back. Live music will come back. It's going to have a comeback. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys wanted to know? <laughs> 
I guess, um, well, I guess the reason we wanted to get you on this podcast is because you are fascinating as a person, as a human, as your career, as everything. Um, and we kind of wanted to, I guess, dive deeper into the transition that you've been through in your life. Um, I guess you've had a big transition, I guess, from when you were born until now. And that includes you with your partner and all that as well. Um, so for anyone who's listening, I know we've already probably discussed this in the intro, but Frank is a trans man and we are so excited to get him on this podcast to discuss all things gender identity and his journey basically to where he is now. So when did you first know that you kind of didn't fit the body that you were assigned or the sex that you were assigned to birth? And, and when was that kind of first moment that you, you realised that something wasn't right here? Um, I can really, I don't really have, like I had a great childhood. I'm really, really blessed to have had the childhood that I had. Um, I had amazing parents, super supportive parents. Um, And yeah, I have a lot of really like pleasant memories in my childhood. But I think the first moment that I knew something, something didn't match up was uh, when I was like around 12 or 13 and, you know, start of puberty for I guess most kids Um, and I was playing soccer in the street with my friends. I was very, very athletic kid, love sports. Um, And I remember like all of my friends uh, who were guys had, had like their shirts off and, you know, they were playing soccer in the street and I had just started to develop breasts. And so when they were running, you know, they could obviously run like super free. And um, I was having this thing that was like jiggling on my chest and I absolutely hated it. Like I remember just feeling so uncomfortable, like so self-conscious, like so mad at myself that, you know, I guess something was happening to my body that I didn't want to happen, but I also had no control over it whatsoever. So that really was the like first um, inkling of, yeah, something not being right. And I guess I had a lot of moments like that throughout uh, like my teenage years, I remember I used to like stand in front of the mirror and I would like hold my hands in front of my breasts and like try to imagine what I would look like if I didn't have them. Um, but at that time I didn't really have the knowledge or like the tools or the resources to really even know what like trans or gender diverse was. So I was like, Oh, this, you know, this just must be how everyone's feeling, you know, when they're going through puberty. Um, yeah, so I didn't come out as trans until uh, 2019, so it was quite a significant time later. Mm-hmm. During that period, did you talk to, like, friends or family, like, about how you were feeling or were you just like, oh, no, like, everyone feels like this, I just, I'll keep this to myself? No, I didn't really, like, I didn't really reach out to anyone, Um I I was really lucky, like I, I guess sexuality wise, I knew about that quite early um, and I came out at the time um, as I was identifying as female and so I came out as uh, someone who was attracted to other females um, and that was something I identified when I was about 15 or 16. Um, I think I had my first girlfriend when I was 16 um, and that was something I realised quite early, but I never really, I guess, paid any attention to my gender identity or never really discussed it with anybody. I just, yeah, I guess in my mind I was like, oh, this just must be puberty, this must just be how everybody feels. Um, and it wasn't really until I 
began my transition and the changes started happening and I was like, oh, this is what it's actually like to like actually enjoy what you look like in the mirror. Um, So it was really once I started transitioning, I was like, oh, this is like all this time, (laughs) all this time I've not, not, not ever had this feeling of like euphoria in my own body. And it was only once I started you know, taking hormones and, um, like doing things to affirm my gender that I actually had those like first feelings of like happiness within myself. Yeah. That's amazing. That like literally gave me goosebumps then. It did. It gave me goosebumps too. I was like, wow. And it is so euphoria is such like a perfect word for that as well. And like Mm -hmm. that show that is out at the moment, that's called euphoria, all those relevant topics. That's exactly the right word for it. Um, Mm. It's just it's just such an amazing experience that you've been through to go to come from a household I guess that is also so accepting. I think that's a huge part of why people I guess don't do these things or leave it um, for such a long time. Do you do you remember having the conversation with your family about wanting to transition or did you kind of start the process and then tell them along the way? Yeah, I've always been um, like my immediate family is really great like I have a great relationship with my mum and my dad um but outside of that it was a little bit more conservative um I have a lot of tattoos I got piercings when I was in um you know in high school and so I was always sort of the black sheep of the family rocking up to family gatherings with like a a septum piercing or something like that and (laughs) and um my nonna would you know um so for a really long time even with my tattoos like I used to show up to uh family Christmas you know in the middle of summer in long sleeves and pants um just because I didn't want to create any sort of conflict within my family um so I was more more scared of their reaction like my I guess outside of my family but even with my parents as well um I think I had to overcome a lot of guilt like because I had been their daughter for you know 20 over 20 years um I was also the only uh person who was assigned female um on my mum's side of the family like the only grandchild the only granddaughter at the time Um, and so I felt a lot of guilt about like taking that away from them essentially. Um, so even, even though I knew my parents, uh, would be supportive, it was still really difficult for them in the beginning. I guess they had their own, uh, grieving process and, um, I guess you, you got to make space for that as well. It is about you, but I guess it does affect the people around you too. Um, but yeah, with time, it, it it has gotten much better. But yeah, I think I was very, very, very anxious about about telling my family. Yeah, and even like you said before, once you started the transition, you you got this euphoria, and you realized like what you'd been missing all these years, and how you had wanted this for such a long time. How I guess did you make that decision? It's such a big decision to say like, yes, okay, I'm going to go down this path, and I'm going to commit to this transition because it's a big journey. It's a big step. Yeah, where do you even start? Like, yeah. actually, like, where do you start to even get that journey rolling? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I to start again. Um, and I guess to answer your question before, I started and then I told them. I, was, I wasn't oh. going to ask for permission. I was just gonna, <laughs> yeah. It's about um, you. It's your life as well. 
Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I was really lucky. I had a lot of friends who identified as trans or gender diverse. So they were a really, really great place to start just like reach out to them and be like, hey, you know, what's the process like? Um, we've got, we're really lucky. We've got a lot of like amazing resources here as well. Um, and essentially there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. Um, the way that I did it was I booked in with a, uh, sexual health, uh, qualified GP and they can actually prescribe hormones with the informed consent route. Mm -hmm. So I scheduled that first appointment. They do a whole bunch of baseline tests. Like they do bloods, um, you know, check your heart, your weight, all of that sort of standard stuff. Um, talk to you about, you know, what's happening, why you want to transition, what you hope to get out of this transition, things like that. Um, and then gave me some resources to take home, have a read through all about uh, testosterone. So in my case, uh, gender-affirming hormone would be testosterone. Um, and so I was able to read through, you know, have a look at all the side effects, um, all the things it could potentially give me, Um and then basically as you would consent to like a invasive procedure or something like that, um, you know, you say I've read, read everything I, I accept. Um, and then, yeah, I got my prescription in the second appointment, but I was really surprised that I was able to do it sort of that quickly. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time here, very few GPs offer that informed consent route. Um, it is becoming more common, which is really awesome. But uh, a lot of the time you have to see a GP. A GP will refer you to a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist will have to do uh, maybe two to four sessions uh, and do like a gender assessment essentially. And then once the psychiatrist clears you, he'll send that back to the GP and then the GP can uh prescribe you hormones um and that process you know just with psychiatrist wait times and accessibility and stuff like that can be quite long and drawn out so I went in with the mindset that it was going to be a long process and was like pleasantly surprised that it was quite quick and easy that makes me feel so relieved that like it was a nice smooth process for yeah. you to begin that journey because I was thinking in my head that's the next question I was going to ask you like did the doctor do any like prerequisites like before you could start your hormone therapy but to send you away with all the information and you come back for an appointment and say I've had I've had a read through this is my decision my body I love mm. that the doctor was like yep okay yeah. here you go yeah. yeah and I guess at the end of the day I was always like you know, what have I, what have I got to lose really? Um, you know, I can always stop the hormones. Um, it's not going to in the long term if I were to stop really have any dire effects on my health. Okay. Um, so I've like, I've really, you know, I've got, I've got this opportunity. I can see if it works for me. Um, and if it doesn't, then that's, that's cool too. But yeah, I was like, what have I got to lose really? <laughs> So can yeah. you, because I'm very new to this as well, <laughs> taking daily testosterone therapy, is that like an oral tablet? Is that an injection? Like how do you, what is that? 
<laughs> in Australia, as far as I know, there's a couple of different routes that you can do it. Um, one of them is a gel that you do apply daily. Um, oh, so okay, it's kind of the same consistency as like hand sanitizer and it comes in a little little bottle um, and each pump has got like a measured dose. So the doctor will be like, okay, take three pumps, take, you know, six pumps, whatever it is. And you put um, it in your hand? Yeah, you put it in your hand and you Ooh. rub it into your like arms or your belly or wherever really. Ooh. And you just have to wait for it to dry. Um, or the other other way you can do it is IM injections. Um, the one that I take at the moment is every 12, 12 weeks. So I only have to do it every three months, um, which is nice because it's four mils and it goes in your bum and it's oh, quite a four mils. It's quite Ooh. thick, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's also, we don't have much supply of it at the moment, so I don't know many people who have actually got it prescribed, but there's one that you can do every two weeks as well. Okay. What's yeah, the difference between actually, doing the gel? Like, is the gel not as effective as the injection? Like, Not really. The research supports that um, it, it, you know, basically does the same thing as the injections. Um, some people, like, anecdotally have said that, the gel, you may have more of a like gradual onset of changes rather than a sort of hard and fast one with the IM injections. Um, some people, I guess, just with hormone levels and stuff as well, their bodies may just uh, react poorly to the injections or react poorly to the gel. Um, so I don't know, it can also just be a bit of a personal preference. I'm really bad at, um, and I'm sure you guys understand with shift work, like it's hard to keep a regular routine. Yeah. Um, so I did start on the gel, but like I'd have, have days where I'd forget. And then I'd be like, oh, do I do like two the next day or what do I do? And so the 12 weekly injections just became easier because I was like, do it every three months. I don't have to worry about it for another 12 weeks. Um, Yep. And I have lots of nurse friends, so I can just get one of them to inject me. <laughs> exactly right. So, yeah, I guess we have discussed um, your transition experience, I guess, with your family and your friends. But another major part of that is your nursing career. So talk us through that. You obviously – I mean, when did you start your transition? Was it how, – how long ago was that? So 2019, yeah. uh, like I would say probably early 2019 mm-hmm. is when I really started thinking about like my gender identity and things that I wanted to do to like affirm my gender. Um, but I actually got my prescription for testosterone a few weeks into my second rotation of my grad year. So yes. it was 2019. So I've been on testosterone, I think it's two years and five months now. Okay. So yeah, that is a a lot going on in the first year for everyone who is listening that's nurses already know that, you know, your first year out of uni is already so stressful and there's a lot going on, but for you to also be going through so many personal changes in your gender identity and, you know, coming out the other side, how you are now is pretty incredible and like really amazing. So you should be so proud of yourself. It's not an easy journey doing nursing in general, <laughs> let alone throwing this in too. But yeah, tell us kind of your, your journey through nursing. Um, did you get, what kind of responses did you get? Did you tell the people you were working with what you were doing or did they kind of just figure it out or did no one know what not, no one at work know? So I started on my second ward and they knew me initially by my birth name. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so once I really decided, I was like, okay, I have to come in to work and, you know, tell them. Um, And one of the nicest memories that I have is I remember the day that I came in and obviously I was really anxious about, you know, having to break this news, especially to people that I like barely had only known a few weeks as well. Um, And so I went up to the nurse in in charge and she had the allocations on a whiteboard and all of the nurses' names next to the allocations. And I was like, hey, um, you know, I know you've known me as this name up until now, but I really uh, want to be known as Frank. Um, and she was like, Oh, okay, cool. And just like rubbed out my old name on the whiteboard and broke Frank instead. And I was like, oh, I was I like so shocked that it was just that like, you didn't so need to explain. Easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. She like no further questions. Um, and that is like, how it should be every single time. This is what we're striving for that no one asks questions and they just go, okay. And they just let you be who you want to be. That is amazing. Yeah. And so it took, you know, it took people, I guess, a little bit to, you know, learned my new name and my new pronouns and stuff like that. But I would say like, I'm really, really grateful that it was quite a, um, quite a smooth process. Um, I remember going into my educator's office, like the day that I got my like prescription, I was like, look what I got. And she was like really excited. So I I really had, I'm really grateful. Like I had a lot of really good support from the hospital and, and like the people in my ward at the time as well. Um, Yeah. They were really, really great. Yeah. I love hearing that. And you you struggled just getting Zana on the board. I know. God, my name. They put Alexandra all the time or Alex. I get to work this morning or actually, or it's been every day this week. And all I'm written down on the roster is man. My last name's Man, and it just says Man. I'm like, do I not have a first name? Like, hello. Or at least it's not Alex, because you. Oh, yeah. yeah but now everyone keeps t- now everyone at work keeps calling me Zena. So now they're like, okay, so we're gonna rub out Man and put Zena down. And I'm like, well, I can't even get the name right. Like, seriously, guys. <laughs> Zena Warrior Princess. <laughs> oh man, it's a lot. Oh, the name, the well, name thing's you a lot. Get a, a, like, he, I'm glad Frank got a smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying. She's still battling this at 28 years old. <laughs> oh, every damn day. Oh, God. In terms of changing your name, actually, this is an interesting question I just thought of mm. now because I personally know from my experience of being married and I didn't actually change my name through APRA because I know changing your name is very difficult. How was that process with you changing your name? Was that easy? By the way, APRA um, is our nursing registration yes. board for people that are listening and don't understand nursing terminology. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I would say changing my name um, with like births, deaths and marriages was fairly straightforward. Oh, I was like, going to ask if you had done that. Also, it's, it's official. Yeah. Your name is officially Frank. Yes. Yeah. So I've changed my name. I haven't changed my gender on my birth certificate. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we're pretty lucky a lot of the time. Like things that you do, you don't really need to provide a gender. Um, yeah. I haven't applied for a new passport yet, so I'll, I'll get around to changing it. Um, but yeah, I just had to submit an application. I think I had to pay a fee. I can't remember how much it was. It was probably like a hundred and something dollars. Um, and then, yeah, just get sent out the new birth certificate, but changing everything afterwards was the hard part, like changing Mm. bank, changing, changing all the opera stuff. Um, so I found that, that process like fairly straightforward but all of the like tidying up and changing everything up like there's some stuff that I still haven't changed over just because I haven't like got around to it or I can't be bothered there's just so many things to change even just like yeah email addresses that you've had for millions of years that you know you have all your subscriptions on or like whatever like it's so even just your apple id like what 
what have you got under your Apple ID? <laughs> it's like these little things that you're like, yeah. it's just, it's it's a huge process. Never-ending list, yeah, isn't it? it's a never-ending list. But, so what do you have to do in order to change your gender? Like, is there like a prerequisite or can you just apply and say, this is you my new gender? I know in some states that you have to have a gender-affirming procedure in order to be able to change your gender. Mm-hmm. Um. I just asked because we worked in a prison. That's how, how we met, actually, mm-hmm. Zana and I. And there was a oh, – it was very confusing, actually. Yes. Can you explain it? Because there was a lot going on. Well, she was a transgender woman, but yeah. she wanted to tra- transge- transition back to being her mm-hmm. sex at birth. So she was trying to go back. Yeah, but because they'd done the surgery, yeah. she, had to, she had to be put in the – female prison yeah. but wanted but identified as a male wanted to be back in the male prison yes. but they couldn't because they had female parts so it was a very yeah it was a very confusing time yeah <laughs> for that one yeah well. no that sounds like that's what was... I, that's what i thought with each state as well and i was like how do you because i know she must have gotten a birth certificate to say it but then i don't know yeah, no, that sounds like it would be very complex. So it looks like you need your birth certificate, you need a stat deck, and you need a supporting statement from someone who's known you for at least 12 months. Okay. It sounds like there aren't too many restrictions yeah. in, in Victoria. Um, but, yeah, I've known, I know a few people from interstate who have had quite a bit of trouble because, you know, they've had uh, perhaps top surgery or something else, but the state won't recognise that as like a gender affirming procedure, and it's wow. like quite a lot of loopholes that you have to have to jump through. So, yeah, I'll get around to doing it here eventually. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, in regards to this, your gender affirming surgery, you have had top surgery. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. I had top surgery in July last year. This is the first Amazing. time I've actually heard of this terminology when yeah. I when I saw your Facebook, seeing the top surgery. Can you explain what top surgery is? Um, so top surgery, I guess, uh, the best way to describe it would be like a chest reconstruction. You could also refer to it as a double mastectomy. Uh, I guess the, again, we love umbrella terms. So top, top surgery would be an umbrella term. Some people choose perhaps, um, if they were born with breasts to get a breast reduction, and that might be more of a gender affirming procedure for them. Um, but for me, my top surgery was a double mastectomy. So essentially, um, removing my breasts and, uh, pulling everything downwards. You can choose to get nipples or not. Some people choose to go no nipples, um, maybe get them tattooed on later. Um, but mine were nipple grafts. So essentially they took my old nipples off, um, resized them, made them smaller and stuck them back on. Wow. Hey. How do you resize a nipple? That's that is fascinating. Because, I mean, like females have big nipples. That's what I was thinking yeah, of too. True. So that's a, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Yeah. 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 So the ones that I have now are much smaller than the ones that I had before. Yeah. Oh, the uh, things they can do in surgery is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I love it's it. It's so super fascinating. So I guess there's there's a few different techniques that you can do as well, depending on the size of your chest. Sometimes you can do, uh, I guess, more of a like keyhole surgery if you've got quite a small chest. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I was a double incision. So I've got two sort of horizontal scars on my chest, um, which I don't mind at all. Like I'm really proud of my scars and, you know, I'm happy that they're there, but, uh, yeah, there's like a lot of different options depending on what you want and, and what you want to achieve out of the surgery too. 
that. Amazing. When was that surgery? That was quite recently, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was July last year. Yeah. I was really lucky to get it. My initial surgery got uh, cancelled because of COVID. Oh. Uh, it's not considered, like, it's an elective surgery here. Um, so I got it in July. I was supposed to get it at the start of June, and we went into lockdown and elective surgeries were cancelled. Uh, so I got it booked in a month later and thankfully, like, I think we went into lockdown a couple of weeks into my recovery. So I was really, really lucky to be able to get it squeezed in, in that few weeks that we went out of lockdown in Victoria. Um, but yeah, it was a really long, uh, really expensive process as well. I was going to ask, it would be yeah, yeah. expensive. So it's all how privately. Do you, how do you feel though? I feel, feel amazing. Bloody amazing. Yeah. It is worth it like a hundred times over, like the money, the stress, like everything. Like I don't regret it in, in the slightest whatsoever. Yeah. Love that. It was all out of pocket. Is that what you were going to ask, mm. Anna? All out of yeah. pocket? Yeah. Yeah. So all out of pocket. Um, I got private health insurance, which probably took a couple of grand off the overall end price. Um, but yeah, so you've got to consider like the hospital stay, which most of them will be in like private hospitals, um, you got to consider you have to get a psychiatry assessment as well in order to be able to get the surgery. So you got to like factor that in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, just the overall cost of the surgery was probably the the bulk of it. Um, I think it cost me about eleven grand altogether. Okay. It's right. so worth it for yeah. how you feel, though. Eleven grand, that's yeah. nothing. And it, it's so amazing because it, I can't even imagine what the emotions would have been surrounding that time for you because your one of your first memories was you know running around with the boys and having your breasts in the way and you didn't love them and you felt uncomfortable in your own skin and to have that thing that had been holding you down for so long finally released and this like moment of euphoria I can't even imagine it must have been completely incredible and unbelievable and must have been like you were living another life. Like you were just like, is this actually real? Is this actually yeah. happening? Yeah, it was It was really surreal. I remember yeah. the first time like the nurse came in to like check the dressings and everything and I was like in shock that there was yeah. like just nothing there. Like there was nothing, nothing there. Um, and I would still like in the months post-op, I would wake up and forget that like I like – I'd be like, oh, I'm going to have to bind today. I'm going to have to wear a binder or like, you know, like I would just forget that I didn't have boobs anymore and it was the greatest feeling ever. Um, One of the nicest feelings was like the first time going swimming, um, like shirtless and, yeah, it was just so euphoric but like so normal as well. I remember like thinking on the way to the beach, like, oh, you know, am I going to be worried that like people are going to look at me or like look at my scars? But like once I got there, I was just like, this is just, this is just normal. Like this is fine. Like I wasn't even worried about like anyone around me who was like looking at me. Um, I was just so happy in that moment that I didn't even care. Like if, you know, the whole beach was staring at me. You're like, stare at me. I want you to look. This is me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I paid, I paid 10, 10K for these nipples. Exactly. Like, <laughs> take them in. <laughs> oh, that's so incredible. I love that. People, so people pay more for, for breasts. So like, honestly, yeah. They'll be like, you know. You want to have them. Yeah. God. I so I guess, I guess yeah. the thing I want to mention on that note is that 
if you were to get a like a boob job, like yeah. you, you would not have to get the psychiatry assessment, but yes. if you want to take it away, then you do. So mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit a little bit unfair. That is unfair. It is unfair, and I Ooh, think especially thing, when you watch botched or like those mm-hmm. you know reality TV shows about bad surgeries, and these women come in with like they're literally ridiculously large, like. I don't even know. They're like basketballs and they're oh, allowed yeah, they're to like have X, that. They're size, whatever. And that, that's not, even, that's not even normal. Like you shouldn't even be doing that and they don't have to have any counselling or anything for that. And yeah. you want to identify as who you want to identify as and have these things done to make you feel human and whole and you have to go through all these processes to get there. It's, I mean, at, at least we're, we're getting there. That is mm. a huge thing. Yeah, times are changing. Psychiatry, yeah. that is an expensive appointment as well. And the mm. wait list is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of surgeons in Australia. Um, like in Melbourne, there's probably two or three. Um, so there's not heaps. And when you think about how big the community is and how many people are trying to access that service, the the wait times are huge. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's really sad because like, uh, like gender dysphoria – I guess another term that I wanted to talk about was, yeah, gender dysphoria, which sort of just refers to um, like the distress or the unease uh, that you experience, um, you know, being misgendered or when someone like genders your body and you don't feel congruent with that. Um, So it can be a really, really like taxing thing on your mental health and, I know a lot of surgeons who have lost people on their on their wait lists just because they're so long and people don't have the accessibility to those services and it's yeah it's really sad that you know um, you know people have to have to wait that long so I really I really hope that in the future that yeah it does get put at least on Medicare or some of it's covered by Medicare um, and hopefully, yeah, make more people get trained up in the field so that there's, you know, more accessibility for the community as well. Yeah, definitely. I think especially with you and talking about being misgendered, do you feel like you, you, you now get misgendered or do you feel like people identify and like recognize you as a man and you, you kind of have an easy kind of transition into that? Um, I would say I was getting misgendered sort of like maybe like 60% of the time up until very recently. Um, So recently it's been happening less and less. Um, But, yeah, up until recently I was still getting misgendered um, and a lot of the time it was at work, unfortunately. Um, So, yeah, it's not, not a great not a great feeling but at the end of the day it's all about people's perception of gender and what people look like so they look at you and they think you know the stereotypical uh you know things about gender and they're like okay this person must be a man and must be a woman and I think that's a lot of what creating like an inclusive environment for trans and gender diverse people is as well is not um you know making those judgments based on how someone looks because you don't really know if that's yeah how they identify yeah exactly is there anything that you say to people that misgender you or do you kind of just let it let it go um i think it depends on who it is if it's someone that I'm having like a very brief encounter with at a cafe, um, then I probably won't. Depends on the mood if I'm in. If I'm really grumpy, then I might <laughs> not say something. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. 
And then if it's someone that I know, I guess that I have a little bit of a closer relationship with um, like colleagues on the ward that I used to work on, um, I would correct them. Um, So yeah, it really depends because there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, I don't really want to exhaust myself in like having to like continuously explain to people, especially if I'm like not going to see them again, I'm sort of able to brush that off a little bit easier. But if it's someone that I know or someone that I'm going to have to like interact with pretty regularly, then if they stuff up, I'll be like pretty sure to let them know about it. Yeah. So how do you feel, I guess, identifying as a trans man in our society today? Do you... Do you enjoy being able to identify in the transgender community um, or not that we can change the past, but do you kind of wish that you were identified as just a man and not a transgender man? What is kind of your experience with that and how do you feel about being a trans man in, yeah, in, in today's society? I mean, I guess if you think about it in a way, I mean, in a way it may be easier if, if, if I was like this from from the start, but... At the same time, I'm really proud of my identity. I think it's a really, it's an amazing, trans people are amazing. Trans yeah. people are perfect. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that I, I'm i super, super happy with my journey and yeah. I feel great identifying as a trans man. I love being part of the LGBTIQ community. The people that I have met and connected with since I've come out as trans and have have been some of the most wonderful, like wholesome, genuine people that I've met. So I really wouldn't, I don't think I would change anything, you know, despite yeah. the like challenges and the difficulties. It's, yeah, it's an amazing thing. It's a privilege to be yes. trans and like to be able to represent my community. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, yes. I'm really happy. <laughs> yeah, and you should be because it is such an important and, yeah, a very important topic that is, happening in our lives right now and we need strong powerful voices talking about it and being the face for it and you just representing yourself how you are and like in your career and your life it it really inspires people it inspires young people even if they don't even think about transitioning it inspires people inspires people to be who they are and be who they want to be and not be concerned about what people might think and just kind of identify as how you want to identify in any way that that might be so you should be super proud of yourself like it doesn't it's not easy and it doesn't come easy all these things that you've gone through um it really takes hard work and yeah you should be super super proud of, of where you are Thank you. Well, I appreciate you guys like giving me the opportunity to come on the show and um, like have a platform yeah. to talk about it. And yeah, I really like in my nursing practice, it's like something that's really, really quite close to my heart. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, I'm really grateful that, yeah, I've, I've got this as a part of my life as well and I can incorporate it into my career too. So yeah, yeah exactly. thanks for having me. Oh, been, it's been so great. We have been um, looking forward to this for Yeah, we weeks. have. Weeks and weeks we have been like, oh, yeah. I just can't wait for Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that there's like some, I guess, biggest learning experiences they've had through this that you could share with other people that may be thinking about going through it or or even just wanting to know from you, like what your biggest learning experiences are from this entire journey. I think you actually mentioned it before, Zana, that you, at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing that I've taken out of this is that you're never, like no matter what you do, do you're never going to be able to control the way that people perceive you. So yes. like at the very least, you you owe it to yourself to to be happy. Like you owe it to yourself to, to be authentic to yourself. Um 
So that would be my, like, my biggest takeaway from it is that, you know, and I, I feel like a lot of nurses as well have, have the, you know, putting, putting yourself uh, behind others. Yeah. And that's like a very common trait uh, among a lot of nurses. And yeah, you deserve, like, this is your life. It's the only one that you've got. So you may as well live it how you want to live it. Yes. And I think um, being a nurse as well in, in that same instance, although like we put people before ourselves and we're, I guess, natural caregivers and that's why we're in the role that we're in, we do see so much pain and we see so much loss that I think it kind of snaps us back into reality to be like, what am I doing? Why am I not living my truest and most authentic life? Like I should be doing everything that I can to make every single moment count. So I think that also helps being a nurse as well that, you know, you see all this and you you have to put yourself first because there's, there's not, there's no other way. <laughs> yeah. 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 hundred percent. Like, and the community, like I said, like the community is amazing. The people that I've met and connected with have, you know, been a lot of what has carried me through like the difficult times mm. um, that I've had throughout my transition. So no matter what, you're never going to be that. You're never going to be alone in it. Like there's so many amazing people out there. Um, like there's so many people, so many people in your life as well. I think that people don't really realize that really just want you to to thrive and to yeah. be happy and to to live your life as as, as authentically as you can. Um, so yeah, just just go for it. <laughs> yeah, I think people are, are very scared to know what's on the other side. They have they have these ideas of what they want to be or who they want to identify as, but they're so scared that in the process they'll lose everyone that they love or they'll everyone will just disown them. And I've listened and heard so many stories about people coming out and transitioning and identifying as who they want to identify as that they all say that the life that they hold on the other side is way more amazing than they ever thought life could possibly be. And that may mm. have meant losing people and it may mean that some people don't understand, but the life that they have now in who they are and like completely 100% are themselves is like beyond anything that could, they could ever have dreamed of. So if you're ever scared out there, there is amazing, amazing connections and amazing life on the other side. And you just got, you just got to get through it and there's going to be amazing people there to support you no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Like, yes, you may lose a few people, but the people that you gain and the people that like stick by you are going to be, the real ones. Yes. Oh, I love oh, that. We this ended has been on such a powerful. Oh. <laughs> so powerful. So powerful. <laughs> now, do you have any resources or anything that like helped you at the start? I know you said you had a lot of friends. Um, is there anything that you like you recommend to people if they have come to you um, to kind of discuss your journey? Is there any way you send them or like, any any documents that you have that would help people to get through this? Yeah, um, a few really good resources. One of them is uh, Minus 18, which is uh, it's like a non-for-profit organisation. It's like a more, I guess, more geared toward youth um, and like LGBTIQA youth. Um, and so they do a lot of adv- advocacy. They do a lot of like social gender affirming inclusion. Uh, they've, got, they've got a lot of really great resources on gender and sexuality as well, whether it be for the person themselves or whether it be for their family. Um, Transgender Victoria as well is a re- another really good one. It's got a whole bunch of resources. 
um, and ACON as well, yes. uh, which is like A-C-O-N. Um, that's a community health organisation uh, for a lot of queer people that's based in Sydney. And, yeah, they've got a lot of resources that span across a lot of different subjects. So I think if it's um, like someone themselves who's questioning their gender or if they want resources to perhaps like refer to family or friends or something like that just to give them a little bit more information to support them in their transition uh, those are probably the first three that like pop up in my mind thank you so much that is so helpful and this has been such a great episode we really really appreciate you being raw and honest and real and open with us it's yeah it doesn't come easy to a lot of people and that we we're really appreciative of you opening up to us today thank you oh thanks you guys oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh it was just so good i just love this love it and is it okay if you give us your Instagram handle, if anyone wants to talk to you directly yeah. after this? Is yeah, okay? of course. I'm always, I'm super happy to to reach out. Like like I said, um, I, I really enjoy doing this sort of stuff because I know how much it meant to me when I was yes. questioning my gender, like seeing those people, um, you know, transgender and gender diverse people representation in the media or in healthcare or wherever I was, I was like, okay, that gives me the confidence that like I can do this and I can still live a normal life. So I really love being able to be that for other people as well. So yeah, if there's anyone out there that ever wants to send me a message on Instagram or anything like that, I'm always happy to chat. Perfect. So we'll put it in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, we'll put uh, Frank's details in the show notes. Thank you again. Thank you again. This was incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm. I'm really. I'm very. Very humbled and very. Very lucky. (laughs) We are very humbled. You're such a breath of fresh air. It's just. It's been so great and easy chatting to you. Well, to wrap up, what are we sending? We're sending love, life, and laughter always. (laughs) 